0: are the content rebels. We've got zero time for busy work that masquerades as marketing and we're done with losing the impact of our big message just to satisfy some SEO or social media algorithm rules. This is a show about marketing for established soloish entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships with clients online. Join me each week as we make your content work for you. All righty, friends, we're going to be talking about connective networking. And uh, if that sounds interesting, just wait. We have Kara Steinman, founder of the Ravel Collective and host of Ravel Radio podcast on our show today. Kara helps purpose-driven women service entrepreneurs build strategic networks that lead to referrals, collaboration, visibility and fun. And I want to just acknowledge here, this is not the first time I've had someone on the podcast talking about how to build true relationships online, how to network, how to build partnerships and collaborations. And the reason I keep asking people to fill this topic is because it is such an integral part of marketing online. And I will sing content and marketing and content strategy until the cows come home. I will never let that go. But it's Not in a silo. It needs the collaborations to exist around it because you need eyes on your content, and one of the best ways to do that is thoughtful and intentional networking and building those partnerships of people who say, "Hey, you need to go see what Brittany is saying about this. She's the person I trust on this subject." They go hand in hand. So with that, let's hop on into the interview with Kara. Welcome to the No Like and Trust Show, Kara. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. When we talk about like connections and referrals, I think a lot of people get—I don't know—like the hinkies. I don't really know a better way to say it, but like there's this there's this pressure, right? Like some people look at referrals as transactional. Other people look at it as you know helping a a friend out. And I feel like there's this whole in between zone where it gets kind of muddy, and you're, you're, you're like, I don't know how you view it. I know how I view it, but like, how do we find common ground? So if it's okay, I'd love to start the conversation there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it gives you the hinkies. Well, there's been plenty of times it has. And I think for
0: me, from my end, right? Like I come from a world where a lot of people are heavy into funnels. So, you know, it's like, oh, hey, um, what's your affiliate link for that product? I'm not above, like, I I think it's fine. Affiliates are fine. But wouldn't it be nice if someone would just say,
1: I know the perfect person for you. It's Brittany. She has this product. Yeah, it would be, and I think in a lot of scenarios, that's what it should be. I'm also not against affiliates. In fact, I know a really uh, one of the gals in in our community, Ravel. She is an affiliate strategist, and she's amazing, and she's helping me set up an affiliate link for a product, a digital product that I am going to be offering. It's a non-IC LinkedIn networking playbook that I currently only offer to the Ravel members, but. I want to bring it out because I keep getting requests to license it or white label it and it's full of my IP, so I don't want to do that. But so in that sense, it makes sense that if somebody has a community full of people who want this thing, they're doing half the sales for me. Why would I not share the profit with them? It's totally passive income for me at that point. But then you also kind of close the circle of reciprocity. And that's what drives good referrals is that reciprocity. So why would I not want to leverage... The trust factor that gets transferred when someone says, which you kind of are with the affiliates too, right? Somebody's saying, Hey, check this out, but it does slice into it just a little bit where you're like, Well, what are they getting out of it? Um, when I make an introduction or refer someone, I'm getting a dopamine hit from solving the problem. I realized. <laughs> so I'm like, My job is done here. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. And sometimes people will be like, Oh, well, I'll give you, you know, let me pay you for that referral. And I turn, I say, No, no, thank you, because I don't want you to then forget that i did this nice thing for you you know and i I love
0: that right so you said two things that i'd love to circle back on and we can pick the order later (laughs) but um, one is the dopamine hit you that you get from like doing a good thing and helping someone out right i think that's so important to acknowledge but earlier what you said about you know affiliates and that you know there there's something to be said when someone's doing marketing for you i i'm totally okay with sharing sharing my profits I think where it gets kind of funky is I'm sure you've been the recipient of emails like this, but I had one just maybe two weeks ago from someone who's been on my list for well over a year, never purchased a product, which is fine. I don't expect everyone to, to purchase anything, but sends me an email and he's like, Hey, do you have an affiliate program? And I was like, gosh, I don't recognize this name. So I went and looked and they've never, not even one of my free offers, right? Like, why would you want my affiliate program if you haven't experienced any of the things? I don't necessarily want you marketing if you don't believe in my product. Or know what it is. Yeah, Exactly, right? And those are the things that feel kind of, not
1: even kind of, they just feel icky. Yeah. Straight up. Absolutely. We, and we have to watch out for this when we're giving referrals also. And like, just to clarify, let me back up for a second, because affiliate, the scenario where you have an affiliate relationship that makes sense is, is going to usually be different than the one where you have, where referrals make a lot of sense because referrals are not something you can just like on demand. It You have to build relationships. It takes a minute. It has to be strategic, which is where you don't need a whole bunch of referral relationships if it's strategic, but then you go deep with the relationships. So you, you kind of have to have a business where you don't need a ton of clients. It's a, it's a retainer business, usually like bookkeepers, accountants, Marketing agencies that have retainer clients that that they're you know the lifetime value of a client is relatively big, large, however you want to say it. Um, So they only need a handful of clients a year, if that. So in that scenario, a referral can come less frequently and be higher quality, and that's when it's really valuable because if you're working directly with your clients, like person to person, and you don't know, like, and trust that person, you're going to have problems. A hundred percent.
0: I have been in a mastermind with a lawyer for a while. She's now someone who's I've actually hired to work for my business, right? She's helped me with some trademark stuff for this podcast, actually. And I have referred her, happily so, mind you, both before I've actually worked with her and after, because I know her as a person. I know how she thinks. I know what she puts out for her clients and and how how far she's willing to go for them. So even though I had not personally worked with her. I already had that no like and trust factor with her. And then when it came time for me to use her services, like obviously it was the natural go-to. it never even occurred to me to use anybody else, right and and to me that's what a good referral relationship looks like. I I want to feel good about the name that I am passing on. It's that's I mean it's that way in the real world we're too, right? like we bought a car uh, it was somewhat used for, oh gosh, a couple years ago now. And our realtor was like, oh, you got to take it to my guy to make sure it's actually as good as you think it is before you do the thing. I trust that relationship because my realtor, who's also a friend, would not lead me astray with a bad mechanic who was going to you know, throw us under the bus. And I think that personal kind of referral, we've always understood, you know, hey, who's your housekeeper? I need a housekeeper.
1: But when it comes to the online world, it's like some of the rules kind of got muddled they did. And I think it's going to take a while still before we can kind of unravel it, but it's kind of about the company that you keep. When someone sends me a referral, I'm looking first at who's sending that referral. Does this... And core values play a lot into it as well, because if I share core values with somebody, I know that they're looking at the same types of things that they value in that transaction. So they're saying, well, I value these things because you're a your mechanic. You might, you might refer someone and if you value... Um, Like time over quality or something like that. You might have gotten your car back really quickly and it still got a little something wrong with it, but whatever. You don't care. It was fast. You got back to what you needed. But if that other person values quality, they'd rather leave the car for longer and have a high quality because you can't have it all, right? Like There's always going to be something you're compromising when you have a relationship, a service relationship with somebody. Values play into personality and happy clients make referrals. Happy people who know you and like you are going to refer you. It's not going to be a problem.
0: Bringing the core values in, actually, that's a really strong point. It's like the, the three-part men diagram, right? Like You can have something good, fast, or cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pick two. And, <laughs> pick two, exactly. <laughs> I mean, personally, we might have differing viewpoints on 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 which mechanic you want. I mean, I would probably prefer someone good and fast over cheap, personally. But other people might be like good and cheap and be okay with waiting a little bit longer. I'm, I'm usually not,
1: I, I need my stuff done. I don't have time to mess around. Yeah, exactly. There's, there, It just depends on what you value. And that's not to say that anybody's values are wrong, but, and I always had such a hard time with core values because I never wanted to leave any of them out. I never wanted to say like, if you're making a list and you're narrowing this thing down to like two or three things that you hold above everything else, how do you like, what if you don't, what if family's not at the top of your list? How do you say that if you've got like kids at home, right? Like I'm whispering because my kid's in the living room and I don't want him to know this, right? <laughs> but mine are like authenticity, freedom, and connection. And family falls probably under connection, right? But it's not at the top. And so if we can identify our core values and what they mean to us and how they show up in our lives, then we can surround ourselves with people who also share those those core values. I still appreciate other people's values and and how they might be different than mine, but the people who refer me and appreciate my work and what I'm doing, they're going to share probably a lot of the same core values that I have.
0: It's interesting that you say that. I've done a lot of core value work with clients in the past when I had more of a branding focus and less of a a content focus. And I often found that there were a couple values that I shared with many of my clients and then the other ones were never anywhere close. So like, you know, if we, if we look, I I always looked at core values as like, there's one overarching core value and then, you know, four kind of pillar, you know, core values that hold up that overarching one. And I know that everyone, you know, views core value work a little bit differently, but uh, I often found that that overarching one was very similar. Um, And then like two of the other ones were pretty close. And then two of the other ones were like way out in left field. And it always made me wonder, right? I was like, why am I working with so many people who are in one way, very similar but in other ways very different and i think one of the reasons is that you know i i actually value exploration very highly in my world like curiosity and i think i am genuinely curious about working with other people who aren't necessarily exactly the same as me but that's
1: because it's one of my core values so if you full circle it it all makes sense right yeah core values are so interesting in terms of our behavior so like i value freedom And so I I find that I am surrounded by a lot of people often that don't share my core values or who are very different than me because I believe that they should be free to be who they are and work with within their strengths and value what they want to value. Like my husband, we obviously have some similar values. We've been married for eighteen years, but he values like structure and consistency, and those are nowhere near the top of my list. I'm like, give me all the chaos. Give me like I want to change my mind whenever I want. I want the freedom, right? Freedom shows up nowhere on his list, I'm pretty sure. But I love him and I I appreciate the way that he operates within his core values. I don't know. I think probably that's probably the most valuable thing any, any person, but primarily service entrepreneurs who are dealing with other people and have to get along with other people and have other people appreciate their work and respect who they are and how they operate. They should know their core values and how they show up in their lives. When I was doing retainer work in content marketing, I changed a lot of my structure of my business around once I realized that I had these core values because I realized that I should not be working with clients who have a, an extremely rigid or structured mindset, who pe- who people who really were really high in conscientiousness. Really highly conscientious people who in like really prize structure and consistency and planning and knowing what's going to happen aren't going to enjoy working with me. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to take the information as it comes. I can't make you a plan for six months out. I don't know where we're going to be in six months. But some people really need that to feel safe. And so that would be a great opportunity for me to refer that person to somebody in my network who I know is more conscientious, like appreciates conscientiousness more than I do. And I wouldn't take a referral fee for it because they're going to hopefully run into somebody who is more freedom loving and not so planning and conscientious. And then they can refer them to me because everybody wins. There's no competition.
0: I love that you went there because I was actually going to ask a few minutes ago, you know, okay, so we have core values, we have people that, you know, are in a network. How do we like actually apply that to, you know, referring? And you beautifully wove that in. So thank you. <laughs> but when it comes to that no competition piece, I'm really glad that you touched on that because. I have often said, right, there is a unique kaleidoscope of of facets, right, that we all bring to the table. And you and I are different people, but let's just assume you and I do the exact same service, you know, offer the exact same package, if we want to call it that, to our clients. And maybe we even went to the same school where we like learned some of these skills. We could still have entirely different businesses with entirely different clientele. Because what we bring to the table within our personality and within our, our worldview is going to inform so much of how we work with people and how we deliver whatever service that we're talking about, that it, it really isn't competitive in the end. I, I love talking with other content strategists. And sometimes I agree with them and sometimes I don't. And when I don't, I take note because that
1: might be something I need to refer in the future. Absolutely. There's no way that someone's going to come to the table with exactly the same strengths and values and backstory and way of operating. The Colby A Index is a—it's not a personality test, but you know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I did it a few years ago for the first time, and it blew my mind because I'm a quick start. One of their facets is like uh, is quick start, and it it kind of measures how how well you stick to a plan, and I don't. And I've always been really critical of that in myself and I've had people be critical of it like, oh, she's flaky or she changed her mind or whatever. But that that test reframed it for me in a way that helped me not only appreciate that about myself, but it helped me restructure my life and my business so that it could be something that I could leverage instead of loathe. I just went to my about
0: page to look whether I had... I have like all my personality type <gasps> you do I didn't see that on my about page and I don't have my Colby on there and I don't remember what I am and I'm so sad about that right now because this kind of Oh my fun. gosh I <laughs> mine
1: are so extreme I'm a 5194 and the 1 and the 9 have made it really difficult for me to function in traditional business like in a traditional business sense because your support is hit. everybody wants you to be consistent consistency is the key right but what if it makes your brain go wacky and you don't like I I'm neurodivergent and I don't like consistency unless it's the easiest it has to be the easiest thing for me to do sometimes it's really easy for me to be consistent but I'm not trying to be it's because it's something I'm doing naturally that's so innate that I can't not do it and that's when it becomes consistent not when I'm trying to do something that I don't want to do or I'm not good at do you know what your uh, clifton strengths are
0: yes activator ideation command input relator
1: Ooh, we have a couple similar ones. My first one is connectedness and then input and then strategy learner and activator. So that in combination with my Colby are the two that really helped me figure out what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing and how I should be doing it so that I could have a business that made me feel good and that served my audience or my clients in a way that was the best that I could possibly do. Because you want to be good at what you're doing if you want to get referrals too, right? If you're kind of crappy at what you do, but you're really cool and you get along with people, your product is still not going to be as good as it can be. If somebody likes you and you have a kick-ass product or result, you're going to get referrals.
0: And when you combine that with like the going back to like the dopamine hit, like surge, especially if you're neurodivergent, like that probably is a huge thing, right? (laughs) That plays into it. Uh, When you combine that with genuinely wanting to give that same quality of referral to other people, I think it kind of just magically works. I mean, I mean, obviously connectiveness you said was, you know, one of your top strengths, right? But like, it's no, it's no surprise that you have like created a container to make this all work for, for you and the people that you love because If you're good at it, you're passionate about it, and it serves your personality and your body's unique
1: chemistry in this case as well, like of course it's going to work. What's funny, though, is that I didn't see that about myself. It's so difficult for us to see the things about ourselves that we do with unconscious competence. It took having some women in my life that I was really close to point it out to me in you know in times when I was really frustrated with like how do I restructure my business? I don't like what I'm doing. I'm feeling so stuck. And and they would point out to me things that I was doing that they're like, not everybody, you know, not everybody does that, right? Like that's kind of unique. And I was like, what? Really? I thought everybody did that because it's so innate to what I do and the way that I do it. And then you can examine it. But that doesn't happen if you're living in a bubble doing your business as so many of us are as solopreneurs or with a small team of support. We're looking around and we're seeing like everybody looks like they've got it together and they're all winning and maybe we're struggling because we see the, you know, it's not, nobody's got it together. Nobody's got it all figured out. We all have our up days and our down days and when we're alone, we don't see that and so it's really easy for us to think that we should just be trying harder or pushing more and that's not helping any of us. I think it should be easy when we're doing what we should be doing in our strengths and we're you know, honoring who we are and how we like to work. It should be easy. It shouldn't feel like work. Oh gosh. So many good like snippets right there. I'm not a soundbite
0: person typically, but you just <laughs> nailed a few. Minutes. So, I really like what you said though, because I ended up doing what I do now as like my, my core offer for my people, largely because of a similar group of women right? I was like, yeah, you just do this and you do this. And Debbie Lair who was one of my first clients for, for services like this, uh, actually said, you make it sound so easy, Brittany, but I don't have time to be everywhere like you do. And I was like, oh, sweetie, I don't have the time. I have a toddler that's difficult, a kid I'm homeschooling. Like, like no, I don't have the time. I just do it. And she's like, "Then then do it. Because I can't, <laughs> yeah, and and it was you know an, an accountability group call that just kind of brought that out of me, and I was like, oh, I do this for myself, and it's just part of what I do, and it's so easy. It yeah. took other people pointing out those skills that really kind of helped me, you know, four years ago, kind of move into what I have been doing ever since, and and I've loved it. I've yeah. loved it so much more than any other iteration of my business.
1: And I think it's difficult when you have something like a set of skills that aren't really. Visible, like if you are strategic, or if, like in my case, connectedness. How do you leverage connectedness into a business? I I thought everybody was doing what I was doing, but how do you how do you monetize like introducing people? And I did have a retainer offer for a little while where I introduced people to each other for on who were on retainer with me, but I found that it squashed all the reciprocity. I would have rather had the reciprocity long term, and also it took the joy out of it for me because then I had to do it. And I don't know if you've taken Gretchen Rubin's quiz, (laughs) the four tendencies. Oh, that one's funny. You should do it. It's free and it categorizes people into four different categories. They're either upholders who are intrinsically motivated to do what they said they were going to do and what other uh, other people ask them to do. Questioners who are primarily motivated by what they think they should do. But I'm the rebel. Their motto is you can't make me and neither can I. (laughs) And so as soon as somebody tells me I have to do something, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Like as soon as I made that strength of mine into a requirement, then I was rebelling against it because it didn't feel natural. But with Ravel in this community, I ke- every once in a while someone will be like, gosh, Carrie, I hope you're not burning out. I hope you don't do too much. Like you're doing so much. You know, I hope you have enough help or whatever. And I'm like, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. I am having so much fun. It should be illegal. <laughs> but it's because it's it's built for me and the way that I'm doing it is not the way somebody else would do it and that's okay but that also means that we're going to have all kinds of different communities for women online there's i love connecting with other women who are building who are doing something similar to what I'm doing because if they're as self-aware as I am and they know that their community might be providing a similar transformation in a different way, then I can share that with people who are not a great fit for Ravel and everybody wins. Everybody needs a place to be in community.
0: You know, and I think I'm in another community, a uh, data-driven rebel, and it's it's a wonderful place. I've had such good discussions in that community and it probably serves a similar similar function to me, not so much in the referral aspect, but in in terms of some of the other things that we've been talking about here. And one of the things we talked about a couple couple months ago, I want to say, is that this year has been interesting for a lot of people in business, interesting bad in some cases, interesting and in exploratory and other ways as well. But the overwhelming kind of theme that we kind of settled on was people are just starving for a connection. You know, 2020 happened. A lot of people entered the online business world. Some of us had already been there, right? But there was so much new and so much stuff and, you know, lots of programs And maybe not quite enough like people time, and even for people who have always identified on the introvert side of things, like me, right? We we still want like an introvert doesn't mean you you eschew all people. It doesn't mean you're antisocial. It means that you want deeper connection. And I felt kind of starved for that. And a lot of people, as it turns out, were feeling the same ways, which is what I found in some of these conversations. And it was so lovely to find that out. But think we're kind of getting to a place where we can wrap up. I love that you already mentioned Ravel, but will you tell us a little bit more about it? all links in the show notes, all of that fun stuff? I really want people to hear about it because I love your philosophy on how you kind of handle these things, but also just in, like intrinsically, there is so much to offer people who are looking for good connections and good conversation out there.
1: Yeah, so Ravel is an online community. Or it's a referral networking community for women service entrepreneurs specifically, or women identifying. And so it's B two B service entrepreneurs. There's another community out there called the Anima Collective, and they're out of Florida, but they're you know international, and they are mostly B two C. So when I met her, we distinguished right away, like, oh, your members are mostly B two C service entrepreneurs, you know, shamans and energy healers and stuff, and. Um, coaches and mine are most B two B. A lot of marketers, a lot of bookkeepers, and some coaches. podcast pitching, you know that kind of thing. There's a lot of different people in there, but they all share similar core values to me. And when I seeded the community, that was something that was really important was making sure that anybody who was in there would protect the safe community space that we were creating. And so what's ended up happening is we're actually spending time in there getting to know each other. Some of us are going to Mexico together in November. I've never met three of the gals who are meeting there. And we're prioritizing relationships and connection over the business part. As entrepreneurs, the business part of it is so much of who we are anyway, it comes up. But it's not what we're leading with. And what ends up happening because of that is that we are more invested in each other's success and more likely to refer one another. I didn't even make this a rule, but at one point after about 6 months of having this community space, somebody said, "Oh, and hey, does anybody know somebody who does this or that?" And half a dozen people chime in and they're like, "Oh yeah, talk to so and so," and they'll tag somebody in the group, right? But a couple of members tagged people out or they they mentioned, "Hey, I've got somebody who can do that, but they weren't in the group." And what came back was the poster had said, "How oh, thanks so much. I'd love to I'm going to go with whoever's in the community first, but if that doesn't work out, I'll reach out to you. So there was a loyalty that was sort of developing. And I don't know, I think to circle back to what you said in the very beginning, the whole networking and referrals thing, it it has gotten icky. It feels icky when we think about it because we think of it being transactional when it should be relational. And we should lead with that. We don't need a bazillion referral partners. We need a half a dozen really good friends who are in a strategic position to refer us if they need to. That is perfect. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone that listens knows that where they can find all the, the links for for your
0: places in the show notes. Kara, thank you so much. This has been a very thoughtful
1: conversation, which I, I so very much appreciate. I appreciate the intimate conversations as well. I'm an ambivert, so I get that part. So yeah, it was really fun talking to you. Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks again so much to Kara. This was, an, I won't say illuminating because it's all things that we kind of already know, but for me, more of a cementing kind of conversation hey, I know this and I need to be more intentional about it. Or, oh yeah, I need to be doing a better job at this one part to aid that really good job I'm doing in this other part. So Kara, thank you so much for those reminders. We all need them. I especially so need them. And I so much appreciate the time that you spent with us. See y'all next week. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.